You're listening to Incorporating Superpowers with the voice of reason, risk mitigation expert, and former counterintelligence agent, Justin Reckla. Get ready to rip apart the veil as we dismantle old school business and prepare for what comes next. Business will never be the same. Welcome back to Incorporating Superpowers. This show goes out to all of you that are listening to the show who feel like you are stuck and that you just really don't know how to escape the grind that you find yourself in. And perhaps you've been doing what you've been doing for, for a long time and, and perhaps you are looking forward and, and really don't know a way out. And, and perhaps you maybe you've turned to substances, maybe you've been disenchanted with your family and your friends and you've isolated yourself. Maybe you even find yourself in a bit of depression. I get it. Been there, done that. Uh, being in the counter, the, as a counterintelligence agent, I, I found myself that in that place um, well, about a long time ago now, uh, back in 2011 when I left. And so I can appreciate that not knowing what you're going to do next or how you're going to get there or even what you're doing if it continue if it's really serving your life and in your purpose and in, in finding meaning in, in what you're doing. I know for me as uh, a counterintelligence agent, that's where I had gotten. I had climbed pretty much as far as I was going to go in, in my career. Uh, and looking forward, I, I didn't want to be doing that for the rest of my life because I didn't feel like it was contributing to a greater good. Um, and so my guest today has had similar experiences and he he's had his own journey. And, and what I love about our guest, Howard Scott, um, he found his own escape from the grind uh, as an attorney. He, he was an attorney at 30 some odd years, uh, found himself in a position to where he realized that he wanted to do something different. And he's got quite the experience to to share with you because what he's doing now is so completely different than um, what he used to do. I'm very, I can, and that resonates with me that, that, uh, Howard, welcome to the show and, and thank you for being here. Well, good afternoon. And thank you for having me. This is so Howard, you, you, you were in a, how long were you an attorney for? Well, I started practicing law, uh, right out of law school and I was almost 30 years in the practice, uh, I was kind of pigeonholed for my career, being that I'm the seventh generation attorney in my family. <laughs> so I had uh, uh, an idea from a very young age, having worked in my father's law office beginning at age 14. I think I kind of was uh, directed to be a lawyer. <laughs> Almost as if your path had already been predetermined, right? Well, that was okay by me because I wanted to be self-employed and I wanted to determine my own success and I wanted to be the master of my domain, so to speak. And so I thought, well, this is a good way to uh, be your own boss, to uh, chart your own course and determine your own success. So, so how long were you an attorney for? Well, approximately 28 years, I believe, uh, I feel like I started practicing law before I actually got a license because I was <laughs> acting sort of as a paralegal, uh, an adjunct advisor, but I was given a lot of responsibility very early on, mainly because I worked for my dad and he kind of let me do almost anything in the office. 
<laughs> I can appreciate that because our, our 11 year old helps produce the produce all the shows on the network. So uh, I, I, I can appreciate that. So I, I've got to ask, though, 28 years in law, from the sounds of it, you had a very successful career. What 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 was the cause for the shift? What, why did you decide to stop doing what you're doing? Well, in the beginning, I was practicing law in many different areas. I was doing everything from criminal law. I did seven or eight murder trials, and uh, I was doing civil practice. I did divorces. I did contracts. And I was always taught that the purpose of being a lawyer was to help people solve problems. And that's really what it was all about. And that's what nobly it should be. But I later on found that it didn't happen that way. Uh, just because one party in an adversary relationship wants to solve a problem doesn't mean both parties are. So quite often you are involved in uh, expanded litigation. And there was a lot of waste of time, money, emotion, and everything else. And uh, you were also pushed to select a specialty. Mm. And when you're pushed to select a specialty, like in medicine, people are very, very specialized. But when you get into that specialty, you find yourself doing the same thing over and over and over again. And at some point, it wears on that it does that it does i know that was one of the things that that um led me to leave the counterintelligence world it was it was like um it was like that old winchell's commercial our dunkin donuts commercial right time to make the donuts and that's that that's what my my experience had become too so i, I gotta i gotta ask howard what what are you doing now well before i get to what i was doing now i have to all say that there was also a component in practicing law that uh, troubled me. And that was that slowly but surely in a profession where winning is the total measure by which you are judged to be successful or unsuccessful, people tend to start edging out of an ethical practice into testing the boundaries of ethical consideration. And I saw that happening where most, not all lawyers, but many, many were, were skirting the ethical boundaries on a daily basis. And it sort of became a way of life. And I didn't like that. I didn't like that. If it applied to me, I didn't like it as it applied to others. I don't want to be sanctimonious and say that uh, I'm without sin, but it's a, kind of an insidious sort of thing that happens when winning is everything in in uh, your profession. I think politicians suffer from the same kind of thing. So I pivoted out at age 49. I retired from the practice of law and I immediately went into what I knew and what I was enjoying doing and found other outlets to uh, occupy my time and to uh, and, and to seek profit and build a business. Well, that's that, that the fact that you were able to pivot after 28 years and, and came to a conclusion that it was being a lawyer and, and for all the reasons that you highlighted here, 
you know, you, you had the, the moral compass to guide you out of it was huge. I know there are a lot of people, especially in that industry, um, that they just go along with it because that's what everybody else is doing. Right. And, um, to see well, somebody, a, to see somebody that was, was in your profession leave is, is very noble. Well, I don't want to be, uh, calling myself noble, but I can say <laughs> that I saw my father die at a very young age mm. of alcoholism. My father was an extremely successful attorney by all people's accounts. He was one of the finest attorneys in the state of Georgia, and he had this immensely successful practice. But here he is. He was running as hard as he could, and he succumbed to alcohol. And when I saw that happen, it made me take a look at myself. I quit drinking as a result of it. And when I had a clear head, I could see what was going on around me. A sober mind, a clear head allowed me a chance to do a self-examination about where I really wanted to go in life. And that's Ooh. what really uh, gave me not only the clear uh, decision-making process to make wise decisions and transitioning to another profession or business, but it also gave me the self-awareness to know that I didn't want to continue on the path I was going and I didn't want to follow in the manner that my dad did. Mm, that's um, quite the eye-opener, quite the eye-opener. You know, that, that hits home to, to make you really reevaluate your life. It sounds like that's what you've done. And on the back end of the break, we're going to get into more of what you're doing now and, and how you have pivoted to, and you've created some amazing things from the conversation that we had prior to, prior to the show. But before we go on break, Howard, where can people go find more about you? Well, uh, one of the things that you'll learn after the break is that I did pin my first novel called Rascal on the Run, and you can go to uh, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and pick up a copy of it, or you can go to the website, uh, howardtscott.com, and uh, check that out and see if the book is of interest to you. That's how you would find it. Fantastic, folks. Go take a look at the book. And when we get back, we're going to dive into exactly what the book is about and what you can learn from it. For those of you that are listening to the show, if you have a business and you want to find your voice, Incorporating Superpowers is now a channel. We are accepting applications for new podcasts on the Incorporating Superpowers channel. If you're wanting to, to do a podcast, go take a look at superpowerexperts.com. Go to the more menu and select become a podcaster and you'll learn everything you need to know there. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hello, I'm Tonya Don Reckla, Executive Director of Superpower Experts and creator of the Superpower Network. Welcome and thank you for making us your go-to place for inspired content, training, and community. The network is so much more than a place for amazing content. It's step one on the path to unlock your superpowers. Listen to one episode daily on the Superpower Network and attune yourself to inspired conversations, higher vibrational living, and much, much more. In step two, you learn with us by watching one of our inspirational videos each week from the IM series. And when you're ready, come grow in community. Our superpower programs offer a unique experience for those ready to harness their superpowers to change themselves, their lives, and ultimately, the world. Go to superpowerexperts.com and take the next step on your path today. 
Welcome back to Incorporating Superpowers. My guest today is Howard Scott. We've been talking about how to escape from the grind. And, and before the show, before the before the break, Howard was sharing his experiences as an attorney and some of the the, the decisions and, and things that happened in his life that made him pivot out of becoming a lawyer into doing something completely different. Um, and before the break, Howard, mentioned, Howard, you had mentioned your book, uh, Rascal on the Run. And I know that um, in, in our brief conversation before the show, you had mentioned that some of the cases that are in your book are actually based off of real life cases that you worked on. Talk to me a little bit more about that. Well, I happened to try two murder cases uh, among several others, but two that were notable. And I used those murder cases and bits and pieces of other experiences in litigation to uh, to create the narrative that is a driving uh, message in the in the book. And uh, fictionally, I had the first case being tried by my father while I was a 14-year-old boy working in his law office, watching and helping. And then the second case was 25 years later, while I'm now, at that point, a practicing attorney, and my father is in decline, and I'm trying this case. And it turns out these two cases are intertwined and interlocked, in fact, and in participants. So there's a continuing narrative between the two cases. Very cool. So now in, in, in the stories, what, what are, what are, what's the, what's the story driving the reader to understand what's the, what are the point that you're wanting to make with the book? Well, several of the points, and I'm trying to do it very subtly to let the reader make up their own mind about what it means to them. But to me, it, it was, uh, a coming of age story of a young man who grew up in the cocktail generation, whose dad was an alcoholic who found his way and discovered a different path to take going forward and the redemption that he felt by, uh, by changing his life and feeling better about himself because he pivoted away from something that he saw wasn't uh, healthy and good. And, and, The second moral message in the book is about race relations in the South because these murder cases and the narrative took place in a small Southern college town called Athens, Georgia. And there were many changes from the early 60s into the late 80s. And those are chronicled in the book with a surprising message about not only the things that happened that were uh, so horrific in civil rights matters, but also the good things that came out of it, the good mm-hmm. things that that people did for one another then that are often overlooked. And uh, the the last message, I think, is uh, is about having the courage to make a change in your life, to pivot, and how the whole world opens up to you when you live a purposeful life without alcohol or drugs. And you discover the beauty of the world. You discover how easy it is to pivot and move forward if you have a clear mind and clear thought. So 
it doesn't apply to everyone because there are many people who are very good social drinkers who have no problem with uh, functioning highly and having a very wonderful, purposeful life and continue to socially drink alcohol. But many people cannot do that. And I was one of those. And my message is, if you find yourself ebbing into an area where you're diminished because of your drinking or whatever other habits you might have developed, you need to take a very quick look and a hard look at yourself to change. Because if you're going to move out of a business that is depressing to you or the, the grind, as you say, and you want to pivot and do something that you really enjoy and is more fulfilling, you really need to be clear-headed about it you, to make good decisions, sound decisions, to think it through and to do the right thing. And that's my story. Mm, that's, um, it's inspiring because you're absolutely right. It, it's, you know, to find yourself in the grind you know, it is, it can be, it can be a dark place, but the fact that, you know, you're proof of that living on the other side of that and showing people that through your book and, and its narrative, um, not only that, but on how you live your life, because, you know, when you were a lawyer, I, I'm especially you know, doing murder cases and so forth. I can imagine what the grind was like on that, but now talk to me a little bit more about what you're doing in your travels. You, you said prior to the conversation starting, you, you were saying that you, you you travel back and forth on a boat between where and where? Well, uh, for the last 10 years, I've been traveling primarily from uh, uh, Trinidad to Maine and mm -hmm. all points in between. So hundreds of islands in the Caribbean I visited, uh, all manner of ports up and down the eastern seaboard, up rivers to D.C., up the Hudson River, uh, to Poughkeepsie and north of Poughkeepsie all throughout Long Island Sound, uh, many, many places that uh, are just intriguing and fun and uh, and kind of give your life uh, purpose and meaning through experiencing different cultures. Mm. The culture of Trinidad is different from the culture of Antigua, which is different from the French islands, which is different from the Bahamas. But it's amazing what you learn and how much fun it is to experience all of that and to uh, live your life with freedom to make those choices to do what you want to do. But mm -hmm. the only way to have that freedom is to have the economic wherewithal to do it. And the only way to have that economic wherewithal is to think through and be careful about how you run your business how you navigate the world of, uh, of saving and investing wisely and having the ability to do what I do. And that is mm. to go and come and to experience all that life has when you want and on your terms, more or less. Absolutely. Now, you also, your, your, your love of voting and how you navigate the world, you've also opened up opportunities to others do one of your business ventures on the rhythm of blues cruise. Talk, talk to me about the rhythm and blues cruise. Where did that start and how, how can people go find more about it? Well, uh, all you have to do is go to blues to learn about it, but it's a music theme cruise. And 
I'll be quite honest. It was uh, one of the more amazing stories that you might hear. It's about a guy who loved music. That's me. And I'm going to the New Orleans Jazz and Heritage Festival. Going to meet my friends at the gate. And I'm standing there and a guy's on the corner handing out handbills promoting a blues show. I chat him up. I get to know him a little bit. I'll meet him later on at a blues show that he had recommended. We became friends. We followed up on that. He pitched an idea to start a music-themed cruise, and he had vast experience in the music business, but very little experience in organizing and and making a business uh, go in, uh, in an orderly way. And so... We met up, formed the company. I wrote the business plan. He had all the connections with the music end of it. And away we went. 39 sold out cruises later. We're having the time of our life. And and uh, everybody seems to be happy. <laughs> That's absolutely fantastic. The, the fact that you were able to... to come together like that to me is just to me that's just that's the universe shining upon you of like here here's something that you should be doing and and i i can only imagine that you know your your love of being on the water and love of music coming together has to feel uh, absolutely amazing well yeah and preceding that it was i'm living in a college town so what do you have in a college town when I was pondering where I would go when I left the practice of law? And that was, well, people have to have a place to live and they need an apartment. They need a house. What do the kids want to live in? How do they want to recreate? And I put my ear to the ground, listened to the kids about what the trends were and where they were going. And I created a company that started building college houses. Mm. Uh, one thing led to another, and after 10 years of doing that, uh, I amassed about 10,000 bedrooms and and uh, a management company along with my brother and another gentleman, and uh, it gave me the wherewithal to uh, seek other ventures and to do other things and then to invest in other ways that gave me the freedom that I mentioned earlier. That's mm, absolutely amazing, Howard. That's I love the entrepreneurial is the entrepreneurism in, in you and, and how you identify a problem and, and then provide solutions and um, and just give people that opportunity to do something different different because you had the resources and you had the time and you had the experience to do such and to be able to do that because it gave your life purpose and meaning is, is huge and such an inspiration for anyone listening to this and in reading your book. Um, folks, if you, if, if you're stuck, if you, if you're needing a little bit of inspiration, go take a look at Rascal on the run and, and dive into the stories and the anecdotes and, and dive into them for yourself and what they mean. Howard, what, what comes next for you? Well, uh, it's been suggested by, uh, the readers that have responded to me on this book that I should write a sequel because it leaves uh, the book ends at a time in my life when my life is really just beginning. So it, it begs for a sequel to find out what happened to uh, the fictional critter after uh, the book ends. And so I have a plot line in mind and then I've been uh, approached by a couple of 
people in Hollywood about doing a screenplay and I'm deep into creating a screenplay for uh, hopefully for release later next year. Fantastic. That is super exciting. Uh, Howard, one more time, where can people go find more information about you? Well, uh, mainly to find out about the book and they can go to howardtscott.com or you can click on Amazon or Barnes and Noble and type in rascal on the run. And you can find out more about the book and the book, of course, parallels many of my life experiences and is uh, semi-autobiographical, but it is classified and is actually historic fiction. Fantastic. Folks, go take a look at the book. Go look at, see what Howard's up to. If you're finding a place, if you're looking for a place to pivot and time to pivot, well, this book just might be that trigger for you. Until next time, go out there and incorporate your superpowers so you can change the world. Take care. Are you ready to discover your superpowers? Go now to superpowerexperts.com and take the superpower quiz today.